All right. On today's episode, we have Emily Bergy. She's a registered dietitian and health and wellness coach from Pennsylvania. She has been practicing as a dietitian for six years, with the majority of her practice being in long-term care. For the past four years, she has been a regional dietitian supporting the nutritional well-being of residents within six long-term care communities. Now she has gone from helping seniors gain weight to helping young women who have struggled with being skinny and finally being able to gain the weight they want in a healthy and sustainable way. Emily teaches her clients how to eat enough calories and protein without feeling overwhelmed or sick so they can gain weight and feel curvy, energized, and confident. Emily loves to use her creativity, humor, and compassion to inspire herself and others. You can find her on Instagram at weight period gain period nutritionist. Welcome to the episode. Hi, y'all. Thanks so much for having me on today. Woohoo! So your journey obviously sounds really incredible just hearing it in, out loud in your bio. So can you share with the listeners a little bit more about how you started out versus where you are now? Yep. So I've, like you said in my bio, I have been working in long-term care since the beginning. So I became a dietitian in 2014. And before that, I had actually been working in long-term care since I've been 18. So I was a diet aide. So I originally got that job because I said, hey, I want to go into the field of nutrition. I need some experience. And I started there. So when I started as a dietitian, after I completed my four-year degree and my internship, I actually started at a nursing home where I was a diet aide. It was not a lovely nursing home. It was a one-star building. So it was a very interesting place. I loved the residents and I still miss them to this day, but it was very disorganized, very overwhelming, a lot of responsibility. I used to have to take residents out on smoke breaks. That was part of my job. So I learned how to use a lighter. So that was fun. Um, <laughs> So after that job, I actually started working as a regional dietitian, like you mentioned. So I cover six communities, and I'm so fortunate that the company that I, I still work for them now, they were a lot, they are an amazing company, they have amazing communities, and I do love working there. But I think I had a lot of, there's a lot to manage with six communities, and I enjoy the excitement of going between a couple, but it's still, there's just so much you have to know. And so much unexpected moments, and I hear a lot of other dietitians' bosses talk about this, where you're like, I can't be an expert in everything. So when I decided to seek out Libby, that was when I had realized, hey, you know what, I just want to feel like I have a specialty. I really want to focus on something. Oh, a lot of listeners can relate to being pulled in so many different directions and also being in environments that are out of your control, disorganized lots of responsibilities, doing things that you don't feel like you went to school for, like learning how to use a lighter. So, I mean, <laughs> I don't think anyone's like, Ooh, my degree is really helping me in this moment. So what I think is really important, and a lot of people are going to connect and harp on this point, is that it feels good to be an expert in something and have ownership of something and do it using your own rules, not someone else's. Yes, it definitely has been. And you know what's funny is that even since starting Libby's program, I feel even more confident in my skills at my current job. So I definitely have shed a lot of that imposter syndrome and just, you know, being able to be confident and help the women that I help in my private practice, it has totally transferred over into the clients that I have at, at my, my day job, I would say. 
Oh, I love hearing that there's crossover and that there's abundance in both situations. You're able to serve this community of women in such a beautiful way that you go to work more fulfilled, more joyous, and that comes out in your work. Not that you weren't before, but you just have this light, this fire, and it just transfers. So I love that so much. So can you talk more about the clients that you now work with that bring about this light and get you really excited to work with them? Talking about your current niche in, in particular, like how, do you, how did you come to this? It's a very unique one and I haven't seen it before. So I would love to know a little bit about how you determined that this was going to be your dream client that you wanted to seek out. Yeah, of course. So when I was deciding my niche, I was between two things. So I was between helping people gain weight um, which is the, the niche that I have now. And I also was considering helping with mental health. So things like depression and anxiety. So I actually started with that one very briefly. And when I started doing my market research, I realized I wasn't getting very excited about it because all the forums that I was on, they still all talked about weight loss. And I didn't really want to work with weight loss, which I know in the program, a lot of people have ended up kind of switching and specializing and it ends up working out, but it just wasn't ringing very true. I just kept looking at the perspective of, Hey, what about the people who are depressed and anxious that want to, that just have lost weight because they're so stressed. And when I did see people making comments like that, the, the common thread was, Oh, I wish I had your problem. And so they were kind of shunned off to the side. And so myself, I grew up very thin and was very thin up until recently, fairly recently. And I always had it in the back of my mind, oh, I'd love to gain weight, but I got turned down a lot by people to, who would say, oh no, you should just be happy that you're thin, you're lucky. And then it makes you feel embarrassed to even talk about it. And so I was like, I know there are other people that, uh, that struggle with the same thing. And I know when I had searched to like, you know, you Google how to gain weight. All that comes up is how do you lose weight? How did like, you know, eat away at that belly fat, how to lose fat, blast fat, all this stuff. And when you're really skinny, you're like, no, I want a little bit of fat. <laughs> I like want it really bad. And people don't get that. And especially being in a society that just puts thin and skinny on this pedestal, which isn't good for anyone to have that kind of mindset. But, uh, I started looking into the market and I was originally going to work with both men and women was my goal. And then I thought, you know what, it's really hard to market to both. And I felt guilty at first. Like I felt like, Oh my God, but there's so many like men I could help. And there's so many women I could help. How do I do both? But I know Libby's big, you know, pushes it's, you know, you don't have to help everyone find your market and hone in on it. So I made the decision to just pick women and uh, since I focused on that, it got so much easier. It got so much easier to do everything, like to make content, even just feel prepared on discovery calls. Like everything was just to do the market research. It just became so much easier and it really helped speed things along. So once I really niched down, everything just kind of fell into place and I got so much more interaction and it just happened very quickly. So that was really helpful. And it was an interesting little journey to see the differences between men and women and, and see what the feedback was. Yeah. I loved what, when you said that you have to do what makes you happy through all of your, your seeking out of who you were going to work with. You kept asking yourself time and time again, who am I going to, who am I going to work with? That's going to make me happy. And then being in the program, you're like, wait, actually choosing someone 
and not choosing everyone not only makes your life easier, makes you happier, but the sales calls are easier, creating content is easier, the whole shebang is easier, which yeah. is helpful when you're starting a business and you're working your full-time job. So easy is really important for you. Yeah, and it just, it's amazing how incredibly easy it is when you're doing something you're excited to do. And I was, you know, I was a little hesitant to start a private practice only for the sense of saying like, okay, well, now I'm going to have to work my full-time job. Now my weekends are going to be taken. My nights are going to be taken. And when I started, it was just so exciting. It was so fun. It just like really fueled me. And I was like, I don't even, I'm excited to work on this. I'm excited to do this. And then the more I just learn about my niche and start to see, and because I do have like a personal connection to it, it just, I see it as such a needed space for women who want to gain this weight. And I specifically work with, and I should mention this, that specifically I'm working with women who do not have a diagnosed eating disorder. So like these aren't women who had anorexia or any other kind of eating disorder that has led to their weight loss and now they're ready to gain back. Uh, these are women who have maybe been thin their whole life. Maybe they were stressed and lost some weight and they don't really know what happened because I've even had clients tell me this and I've personally experienced this. When you say you want to gain weight, you immediately get referred to like an eating disorder specialist or an eating disorder clinic and you don't fit in. It doesn't actually, it's not, you're around people who, you know, are not experiencing the same feelings as you. Uh, you're, you're waiting to gain weight. Meanwhile, everyone's talking to you like, Oh, we can't talk about weight or we can't do this. And it's like, well, I, I would like some, <laughs> please. <laughs> so definitely like, to hear people say that struggle where they're like, I just, I'm just kind of resigned to going to an eating disorder clinic because I know I'll gain weight because I'll, I'll be on their plan there, you know, but they yeah. don't leave with any skills that are going to help them actually keep that weight on and feel their best once they leave. Definitely. You definitely have a career in, at like either Second City, some comedy arena. <laughs> You're funny. You're really so funny. I actually do improv. So that makes things very helpful, especially on stories. Like, uh, definitely I was actually, so my social media before this was, it was literally just pictures of, it started out as pictures of my hamster. So I had a hamster named mouse, uh, rest in peace, but I did have a hamster named mouse and I took pictures and videos of him and I put him on my Instagram and then I got the cat. So that was moose. So my handle was mouse featuring moose and it was just pictures of my hamster, then my cats. And I never showed my face, never did any of that. And then when I, I had always kind of had this association with Instagram of like, I'm going to have to like be an influencer and then I'm going to have to deal with all these hate comments and people are going to be mean. And then I'm going to end up on like some apology video for something I said somewhere along the line. And I'm like, I don't want to deal with that. But I realized that when you treat it as a business, it's completely different. You have boundaries, you are only talking to your client really. So you don't have to worry about anything else. You just talk about what they want to hear all the time. And anyone who doesn't agree with it, it doesn't even mean anything. It's like, okay, that's fine. This isn't for you. So it's, it's okay. <laughs> so like I said, though, having the improv. So when I did stories, I was really scared to talk on the stories because I was like, I never show my face on anything. And then I did it and I was like, oh, this is like fun. I love this. <laughs> Like, totally up my alley. <laughs> that makes me even more curious now, like hearing that you had this Instagram account, Mouse Featuring Moose. How did you go from that to taking action in your business and starting your private practice? Like, 
what did that leap look like? Was it like a quantum leap? Was it like a toe dip into the pond? I mean, it was actually, so like switching it over. Yeah. I mean, it was easy because I wasn't very vested in their Instagram. Sorry, Mouse. Sorry, Molly. Sorry, Moose. You know, all of them. But I wasn't like super vested. It would be like, I put these up because I think they're precious. So I want to share their adorableness with everyone. But I wasn't very vested in it. So all I did was I just archived it all. And then I just started posting content. So I didn't want to start fresh with a whole new Instagram because I was already following a lot of people, a lot of other dietitians, a lot of other people in the fitness space that I really thought would be a benefit for me to continue to follow and for them to follow me. So I just kept everybody on there. And it's funny because I know some people get a little uncomfortable when they start to lose followers, when they see like the loss and there's like a couple gain and then a couple. Every time I lost a follower, I was almost like happier. I was like, good, they can go. (laughs) They weren't weren't supposed to be on here anyway. (laughs) I was so satisfied when, you know, that was just the mindset I had was like, they weren't my client then. If they left, then that's good. Like, I want to know who's watching these stories, who's liking my things that are clients. And that was just, it made it even easier just to have that mindset. That's a good mindset to have, just not being afraid and just accepting everything as a favor for yourself. You lose, you gain, it's all working in the greater good for you getting to your ideal clients and having them book with you. So mm-hmm. when you made this transition online, you were, you're still working, obviously, in private practice. Would you say that there's anything in clinical that has really inspired or motivated you to either pursue this full time or like grow this business a little bit more aggressively so it matches what you're making in clinical? Yeah. So like I said before, the current position that I'm in, in the communities that I work in and the company I work for is I am just so fortunate as a dietitian to be in this position because I know my boss, he doesn't micromanage me. He trusts me. Everyone in the communities I work in values me and trusts me. So it's awesome. But I still, I almost feel like, not that it's too awesome because it's definitely, you know, I'm not saying that, but it, it was like, oh, wow, this is like the most perfect ever. And then it was like, wait, so then I guess I just stay here forever because it's so perfect. Like, where do I go from here? And now that I've been like juggling six buildings can be a lot. In the beginning, I definitely made a lot of uh, like definitely double book myself, definitely like missed some important stuff, like was all over the place trying to like make my schedule. And now I'm pretty comfortable in my schedule and really confident in it. So I'm kind of like, you know, it's like looking for the next thing, like, okay, like I'm ready. But I did actually get really interested in listening to like, or reading some books about people who started their own businesses. So this started, I don't even know, I guess a couple years ago. So like the four hour work week, I don't know if you've ever read that by uh, Tim Ferriss. And I was like, I could, I could do that. And then when I start to picture and like, as I became you know, like after, I feel like when you're in school and when you're, um, you start your first job, like you feel like you could work forever. Like just doing, you're like, nothing matters. Cause I'm just like, this is new. It's exciting. This is all I've been thinking about for the past, like how many years, what, like five, six years to like finish this degree. So you don't like have hobbies. You don't have other things you want to do because that's all you did. And then after you start working, you're like, wait a minute, now what do I do? Like I need hobbies. And then once you get hobbies and start to do things, you're like, wait, my work day kind of interferes with these fun things. Wouldn't it be nice if I only worked four hours a week and I could do more fun things? Like that would be nice. (laughs) So it kind of changed my perspective on it because I used to be someone who would work. 
I would work all the time and not, it, it didn't phase me. Like I would just be like, I don't need time off. I don't need anything. But then I started to value that time off. And then I was like, Ooh, this changes my perspective a lot. Oh, I can hashtag relate. Especially <laughs> since you, you go through all this education and that is the ultimate goal is reaching that dream career. And I myself am still a student but I'm, all, I'm already planning for the future. Now that I've done a lot of these episodes and I've interviewed people, I'm, I'm seeing that's a real possibility that you end up in a career and you're like, okay, this is comfortable, this is safe, but most of the times the positions you're gonna be in are gonna take up all your time, you're not gonna have hobbies, and you're gonna be like, hmm, it's either this or I can pursue this private practice thing and do this four hour work week life and actually have hobbies and be a human again. Because you spend time in school just to go to work and spend all your time there. And you're like, hmm, this isn't yeah. like a good cycle. Like, what and then it's like a cool? crash. It's like, oh my God, I got to get to this thing. And then you get to it and you're like, wait, it's over? So now what do I do? Like, what's the next thing? And I think just, it's obviously very fulfilling to play by your own rules, obviously. And it's funny because I used to think, so I always kind of had a thing like in me of saying like, I would like to have my own business or my own something. I uh, originally was going to go to school to become a pastry chef. So that was like something I was thinking about doing. So like, you know, my brother-in-law would always talk about like, we need to open our own bakery. Like that's what we need to do. So it was always in my mind, but then, you know what I thought about private practice? I always pictured it as like brick and mortar. You have to pick your location. You got to pay rent and you got to deal with insurance which I know there are dietitians that deal with it very well. I know the reimbursement dietitian, she has, she has some really inspiring stuff if you want to work with insurance, but I can barely handle my own insurance claims. Like I, I'm not at a place yet that I'm ready to deal with other people's insurance claims. Like I'm not there. So I would always picture it and I'd be like, that would be kind of cool. But then all I picture myself is sitting in this brick and mortar office waiting for clients and taking anyone was what I pictured. Like, all right. I just like that almost that scarcity mindset that Libby talks about where it's like, I can only get the people from my area who want to drive here. And that might be someone with diabetes. That might be someone who wants to lose weight. That might be someone with IBS. And I was like, I can't know it all. Like, and I almost felt like I have to know it all first before I do it. Whereas Libby's is like, mindset is just go and do it, which I love because I've, I've tried to train myself over the years to not be like that because that's how I always have been. Like the just-in-time learning has always been like the way I function. But then I would look around and be like, society doesn't like that. We need to be prepared. So now I'm like, oh, I can just go back to like what I feel comfortable with. But yeah, so that's how I pictured like a private practice being. And I was like, that's not a really attractive option either because I'm going to have to pay all this rent. I'm going to have to deal with insurance. I'm going to get these random people with random problems that I don't even know if I know enough about. But with this, you're virtual. Instagram doesn't cost anything. It's way more fun. You get to make a bunch of videos. As we were saying before, I love to talk. So like, I get to talk all the time. So that's great. And then I can just pinpoint the person I want to work with. Like, you can't beat that. Incredible. You hit the nail on the head. Is a lot of people, when they think of private practice, they literally think of the brick and mortar and insurance. A lot of people don't think of virtual and they definitely don't think of Instagram and making money. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like what you said earlier. You thought social media was like this influencing and like kind of showing random stuff and the, this, your video might go viral and then you're going to regret something you said like two weeks ago because someone saved yeah. it. You, you think of all that stuff. Like there's these extremes, right? For private practice and social media. 
But with Libby's framework and being able to be like, wait, there's a step-by-step for how to do this and not feel overwhelmed and really just make it simple for yourself. Who who Mm -hmm. doesn't want that? That's like a great solution. So I appreciate you sharing that because a lot of people are probably thinking on those two extremes and not thinking of this nice little middle where all the fun happens. And I want to say to like future dietitian bosses, like guys, don't try to do this on your own. It's just like not worth it. Like I think about it, it would have taken me to even write like an agreement for my client to sign. I would still be working on that right now. I know myself, there would have been no pressure to do it. I would have been like, oh, I need to write that stupid thing. It wouldn't have been done. And now I've already had clients. I've already like, everything's done. And it was, it just happened so fast. And I was like, why would I ever waste any time trying to figure this out on my own when it could literally be handed to me and the whole time you have support from other women who are dietitians in the same spot and you create this awesome network and it's very inspiring because like especially for those those dietitians who work in long-term care you're the only dietitian in a lot of cases so i am lucky now where i'm at because i we have a lot of communities on the East Coast, there's other regional dietitians that I can communicate with, and sometimes we meet up. But before, when I first started working, it was like thrown to the wolves. Like you, I just like showed up. The person who was training me didn't even know that they were losing their position. Like they were just like, "Oh, I thought I still worked here, and now I have to train you today." And I was like, "Hey, what's up?" And I got about like six hours for three days. So six hours each day for three days of training. And I was like, all I learned in school was clinical, clinical. I never learned like enough for long-term care. I don't know what to do if this person's had congestive heart failure for like their whole life. I only know what to do if they're like in urgent congestive heart failure. So I did have to, you know, learn and it, and then you're all, you know, you're all alone. It's like, Oh, I guess I'm the only one here. And the place I worked had all internet barracuded. So you like couldn't search anything. So I had to like search it on my little phone to like Google questions I had. And I was like, but now it's like you have, I have this network of other people who are doing their virtual private practice. That's like been handed to me. So I can ask people any questions or do anything. And it's just like, Oh, someone will have an answer to this. (laughs) Yes. Got my jazz snaps. Mm -hmm. Jazz snaps. Community is everything. People often forget how important it is. If you are always a lone wolf, most, especially since we're A types and you're competing to get your A in biochem and get that mm-hmm. 3.75234 to qualify for your internship, you're so used to going at this alone. But it comes a point in your professional career, as you highlighted, that why should you go at this alone? Not even for your own professional development, but also so you can make friends and connect with people and learn more because you know what good is it to just be alone in a bubble so i love that you talk about the importance of community and how much the dietitian boss community has aided you in your growth and being able to get to your goals so much faster and with the listeners and it's great transition actually because i would love for our listeners to, to learn more about how you're building that no like trust factor you're encouraging them to find community don't go at this alone but you, you and I both know once you're in Libby's program and you're implementing the dietitian boss, boss method, you know, you still have to take it upon yourself to like, you know, take action. <laughs> you know, that word A-C-T-I-O-N, that yeah. word where you're like, it's scary. So can you give us a couple of tips about how you built that no like trust factor now that you have gone through the program and have implemented the steps? 
Yeah. So I think the first step, I mean, there's a lot of mindset, you know, shifts with anything in life really, but also obviously with your virtual practice. So uh, the first thing is to have a mindset of your per, you are helping people and you're, that's why a lot of us got into this profession. We like to help people. So by like showing your face, by being present and being there for your clients or for your potential clients, that is, that's for them. You know, like it's, it's going to be, think about people you see in your life. And don't you like it? You know, you people are on Instagram. You're following people. Why are you following them? Because they're they're talking like you guys are friends. So just treat it like a friendship. Treat it casual. Have fun with it. And it's hard in the beginning. And I think the other mindset thing is it's okay for it to be. Actually, it will be uncomfortable in the beginning. Now, for some people, maybe it won't. But for most people, it's going to feel uncomfortable. But just anticipate that. Just say it's going to be uncomfortable for a little bit, and then it's going to end. So that discomfort is going to end at some point about showing your face or being a little more vulnerable. At first, it'll be like, oh my God, why did I say that? Remember, it's also on a story, so like it disappears. So it's like good. <laughs> like if you feel like, Ugh, and then it's gone. And then you can, once you're more comfortable, you'll say it again sometime. But it's like getting yourself used to it. Because I think the show, show your face, Libby's so right with that. And now it's funny when I look at other accounts on on Instagram for anything, if like they're not showing their face, I'm like, they should really show their face because they would really get a lot more people to just feel comfortable with them. Then. <laughs> so oh like everything I see <laughs> like for any account, I'm like, they have a picture of like their food. Like even if it's a personal one, I'm like, they should show their face. <laughs> I, I absolutely, absolutely love the way you frame that. It's really important to know that you are helping people. And how do you help people? You show your face and you show you're a friend. And you're telling your friend all the things they need to know. You're speaking to their pain points. You're digging deep. But mm -hmm. you have to also just be settled in the discomfort and recognize and anticipate it. I love that you mentioned that. And know that it's going to go away. Just keep reminding yourself, yeah, that was an awkward story. It's going away. Yeah, yeah that was a weird caption. It, it will just all go away. It just disappears. Yeah. And then you move on. Like, you know, social media is just so fast. And I'm realizing that it's like, it's so fast. It's like the thing you said, it, it's gone. Like next, move on. And I think also when working with like to get your, you know, that no like and trust factor, I think, and I, I think this helped me being um, a health coach as well, is that even though it is really cool that we are the experts and I've gotten a lot more comfortable saying I am the expert because now I really see it. I'm like, yeah, I am the expert. So there is, that's exciting. But I think it's also important too, when you're getting the no like and trust factor to drop a little bit of that expert and just listen. So you don't have to fix their problems right away. People aren't usually looking for you to do a whole bunch of work, even though it seems like it. Most people just want to be heard and validated first. And they want to come to their own conclusions. So you're just there as like the guiding force. And then you, you bring out your expert knowledge when they have true questions about the actual thing. But what you're there for is you are just keeping it, keeping the space safe for them, keeping the space open. And it kind of takes a lot of pressure off when you're like, you know what? Trust your client, trust that they know what they want and just be there for them. Just be present for them. 
Ooh, I like this. I kind of want to print it up on a t-shirt and put it up on Etsy. <laughs> so I love that you said that they should, they're there to be heard and validated. So you don't need to feel like it's important that you feel like an expert for your own personal confidence, but you got to drop that and be more real, be more relatable. Consider yourself the guiding force as you said it. I love that wording, guiding force and keeping that space open for them to feel comfortable and ask the questions. And that's going to make it, like you said, easier for you. You take the pressure off. You're like, shoot, you tell me what you want to hear. I'll guide yeah. the discussion, but I'm here for you. I'm here to serve you. I want to help you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think a lot of times, and I've seen this because I've had, you know, I've obviously been an intern and a student over the years, and I've had interns with me as well. And it's helped me learn to watch them learn as well, that it's like, there's a lot of pressure when you are a student. And when you're starting, you feel like you have to know everything. And it's this panic of like, I have to show the world that I'm worthy of like being here. So I must like just throw my knowledge out. Like anybody who talks about any nutrition thing, I just got to like yell it out so that they know I like went to school. It doesn't, that's like, doesn't matter. Like you, people just want their problems fixed. It's all they want, but they also don't like being told what to do. So <laughs> it's not your job to fix their, to fix that you know, to give them exact advice, what it is, is you're creating, like I said, cultivating that space for them. So to come to an agreement with themselves. So that's often, that's how I like to work. And, and I like to listen for a long time in the beginning with my clients and make sure I'm hearing what they're telling me, you know, what they believe to be true, what their face and their inflection shows me as well what their emotion shows me, because that's all going to affect how we work together and how they actually can reach their goals. Oh, so cool. I love that you're cultivating an audience that really feels supported. So your work is obviously gone and it's helped you generate leads and you've gotten sales calls because of this cultivation that you've prided yourself in and also just being a very careful listener. So can you share with us how all of that work you've done with your own mindset around business and working on your content. So it's really resonating. How has that turned into sales? Can you share a little bit about how much you've made and what's your next goal and maybe even a longer term financial goal? Yeah. So, so far since I started the program, I've made about a thousand dollars. I would like for this month's goal, I'd like to make 1200 and for as a long-term goal, you know, it's really cool to see, to follow Libby's handle because you start to think outside the box with money. Like I don't even think like when I'm seeing people making $10,000 a month, I'm like, what? Like that was even an option. Like I didn't even consider it. So now I have to like look at and self-reflect cause I never even, I don't even think I need that much right now. But now I'm like, what could I do with that? That would be kind of cool. So you start to think more about it and think about what could your life look like with that? How, how could it go? And I think I grew up, my money mindset with that has been definitely, I felt very much so that, because my family worked very hard for the money they make and for their, to take care of their family. And they did it all because they had to. It was like, we have to work. You know, my dad went to work every day to a job he didn't like to support us. And I always thought, you know, the harder you work, that's like more honorable, like harder, not like smarter, harder. So now that I'm in this mindset of I could work smarter and not harder and then end up helping people still, like it doesn't just because you put in more hours or more time doesn't mean 
you're always helping people more. It means you're probably going to get burnt out and then you might be like this little grouchy dietitian that's like, Meh. like, I don't, don't ask me about the green beans, you know, like you start to get like really grouchy. And that was actually the, the first dietitian that I met, to be honest, that was at that one star building that I was a diet aid in. And she, I remember they were like, you got to meet the dietitian since you want to be a dietitian. And I went and met her. And I remember standing there and she just went, you're making the biggest mistake of your life. And I was like, oh, and she was like, it's, I can't believe you, you're really making a big mistake. And I was like, why is that? And she said, it's just, you don't make enough money for this, that you have so much to do, you don't, you'll never get compensated. And she just told me all this stuff. And she had been a dietitian there for so long. And like I said, one-star building, not fabulous. So she had a very negative view. And I remember being like, that's not how it's going to be. And, and fortunately, I'm not a little grumpy grump like she is, but I don't want to be a grumpy grump. So, you know, I'm, I'd like to avoid that. And I did end up, you know, the thing is I did end up working with her later. And she said to me, she's like, you know what? I just am frustrated with this particular place. I mean, she's like, I do love being a dietitian. I like doing it. She said, it's just where you work. You know, like she's like working here has been really stressful. So she did clarify it for me, but I remember just being like little, like 18 year old me, like, I'm so excited to be a dietitian. Oh wait, what? <laughs> I know. And then it's funny because, you know, comments like that, whether it's from fellow professionals or significant others telling you, you're not going to make a lot of money and nothing, you, there's not much for you to really make in here. And then for you to be in this program, making a thousand next goal, 12, 1200, hearing that people are making 10,000. Now the stories that you're hearing or any commentary that has been shared with you about money is kind of gets to go out the window because you're like, there is greener pastures. There is ways, there are ways to make more money. So yeah. I loved that you were talking about like growing up the way that your parents really worked hard. It wasn't really about working smarter. So I know that there's probably a lot of interesting stories around money from your childhood. Can you share mm -hmm. with us like a money story and beliefs you had about money? And now that you're in a program and you're seeing people are making this much, like how that's changed within you and what you're looking to make going forward. Yeah. So I think I had a really big, and I still have, I would say at, at once starting this program, I fully have re like released my, my old money mindset. Every once in a while it sneaks back in, but I have always associated making a lot of money with being negative, like selfish or being like, I, why would I deserve it? You know, there's so many people that need more money and need this and, and why do I get to have it? So that was definitely a big, that was a big barrier to even considering making more money. So when I started as a dietitian, heck, I could have been making probably even less than what I started at and I would have been wildly impressed. I'm still wildly impressed with what I make. Like, I'm just always like every day. I'm like, I can't even, I'm so lucky I have this job. I'm so lucky that I got, I'm actually working in my career. Cause I do know people who, who went to college and didn't end up where they were going to, and they never are really working in the career they wanted. And I was fortunate that I ended up doing what I went to school for. So I already was like, I'm so grateful to be like ahead of the game out the gate. But then to even, you know, to see Libby's messages of like, you can make more. And it's, it was like a shift of like, like I mentioned before, what could I do with that money? And that selfishness, I had to like shift that mindset to be like, okay, so why would it be selfish for me to make more money? If I could use that money then to be 
helping people still. I, I can still factor that in. You know, so if I make less money, like I said, and became a grumpy grump dietitian, I'm probably going to like be awful to be around. And then I'm also not going to be giving anything back per se, because once I decide, you know, once I have kids and a family and all this other stuff, I mean, that money is going to quickly get allocated. I mean, yeah, as a single person now, I'm like, oh, I made, I have a job. This is great. But, you know, if I have some kids or, you know, a family, it's going to end up costing me more and I'm not considering that. So I'd like to set myself up for a comfortable life where I can support my family, but also if I choose to support other things, I can. Oh, I love that. So this is really helpful to understand a little bit more about what your passion is behind making this money and being able to move past. This is a selfish thing, but what can this afford me? Ability to save Mm -hmm. money for this family that is going to come in the future. It's bound to come. So I need to have money for that. And moving past, I don't deserve this too. I totally deserve this. Because by me getting more money, it makes me a good person in terms of being able to afford the things for self-care. And -hmm. you taking care of yourself means you're better for the people that you work with on a day-to-day basis. So it all connects. So I love the way you framed all of that. So with your money so far, um, have you done anything with it for yourself? Because it was like extra income for you because you have your full-time job. So did you buy anything with it? Or are you saving it up to do anything like go on vacation, pay off a debt? So right now with that money, I haven't, I feel like everything's been such a whirlwind. Um, I also just moved. So that has been like a whole whirlwind of things. So I haven't even had time to even think about that extra money. And I, I'm mostly using it in a way or keeping it in the back of my mind to almost reinvest in myself to keep going. And so that has been kind of my focus for it. I do, I really want to get a dog. Um, I have my two cats, but I do want a dog. And that's almost like (laughs) the simplest of things to want more money for is like, I want more animals in my life. And like, if I have more money, I can get more animals. And I have this, this happened uh, uh, like back in, I think it was like November. I had this moment where I like saw these alpacas and I was like, I think I want to own alpacas. And then I've been on this kick for alpacas. And I was like, but I don't really want them to be my business. You know, like, I don't want, that seems unreliable. It sounds like it would ruin the alpacas for me. Cause I'd be like, Oh, I need to make money to like live. But no, but then I was like, wait, if I do this and make a bunch of money, I can take care of my alpacas I can have whatever animal I want out in that field. And I can just enjoy them and invite people over to enjoy them. Like, and it's just a simple, like ridiculous. What I told people, I was like, I think I went alpacas. They're like, this is a very Emily thing, but also why? <laughs> But you know what? But that's what extra money and doing what you love affords you. That doesn't sound crazy to me. I'm like, yeah, girl, you want an alpaca? Let's do it. I want to wake up in the morning, wake up in the morning, get my coffee. Another thing that I love to do, this is like my like guilty pleasure is I love to watch people's morning routines on YouTube. It's like my favorite thing because it like inspires me to like do things in the morning. So I'll just watch people like get ready. And I'm like, my morning routine would be like, I get up, I get my coffee walk out and say hello to all my alpacas and they'll all have fabulous names and they'll like come up to me and nuzzle me and it'll be so cute like that's all I can picture is I'm just like I just want that (laughs) or you're on track you're gonna reinvest your money in your business (laughs) make more money get a dog and alpacas I'm here for Mm -hmm. it I want an update you gotta drop me a dm when this happens and a couple of photos oh they'll be on my instagram stories they'll be on there (laughs) awesome 
So now that you're working towards getting alpacas and that means you're growing your business on social media. So can you share a little bit about your experience, like growing it now that you've like gotten to this point where you fix your money mindset. So can you just walk us through that process right now? Yeah. So to grow it, I am obviously, like I mentioned before, don't try to do it alone because it's unnecessary. Invest that money into people who are going to help you make things happen faster because you're going to make your money back. So the investment is scary up front, but you're going to make the money back. So like I am much more willing to invest money into something that will help me get to the next step. So that's something that I do. I also just in the growing process, it's been really fulfilling to have like the amount of DMS that I get the amount of like interaction I'm getting on social media of people who are just like, thank you. Like, even if they're not even purchasing my services, maybe they're not ready for it, you know, whatever, just to hear it is like really fulfilling and overcoming that money mindset of charging people as well. Cause that was a big barrier of saying like, here, I'm going to like, this is like a, my price point and that's my price point was something that I was like, oh my God, but what about people who can't afford it? And it's, you know, like it was definitely in my mind and made me feel like, I don't know if that's right. And then I thought about how many times I've invested in myself and my health and the things that I do. And I'm like, yeah, I chose to invest in those and they've benefited me. So what's any difference different than my services? Someone's investing in me and I'm going to give them a solution. I'm not just telling them some bogus thing. I'm not just taking their money and being like, Oh, good. I got it. Like, it's not like that. It's I'm actually giving them a service that's going to change their life. So it's a very fair deal. So changing that mindset as well. Yeah, that is so important to know that investing in yourself is going to help you do things faster. I know you mentioned that earlier on, but a lot of people embarking on this, it can be really scary. So what you said is really insightful and really helpful. And I hope other people out there don't do this alone and they just seek out help so you can get through being on stories, creating content, not posting all your alpacas, not doing random stuff. (laughs) They're cool and all, but it's all about what your client needs. So getting help is so instrumental. So you, you now have an approach to sales and you have an approach to mindset. So can you share with us like how you're approaching these sales and how your mindset has shifted now that you're attracting clients and you're making money online using Instagram. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so definitely confidence factor to just be able to feel confident in my services. And, you know, I really truly, and like I said, I'm selling them a solution to a problem they've had that they have nowhere else to get support at. And that's a really cool thing. So that has been like the biggest benefit. It makes sales easier. It makes the process easier. The first, I was really fortunate, you know, my first sale, I kind of, so I watched the modules that Libby made and I was like, okay, I got this. And then my first person, it was easy. Like it was an easy sale. It was quick. And I was like, wow. So that was great. Cause it was a great burst of initial confidence. And then when I had other discovery calls, I was like, oh, wait, I need to watch those modules again because that those old mindsets had started creeping back in. Like, I don't want them. I don't want to like tell them they should buy it because they're not sure. And it's like, well, of course they're not. How many times in life are you not sure? They they need someone to be sure for them. 
because they're trying to change their life. Like you, they need you to be like, yes, now is the time. Don't wait anymore. Because why wait when you can solve your problem now? So that mindset shift was like, I had to think and go, oh yeah, wait, I need a system. I need, Libby was right. I need a system for these sales calls. <laughs> like, the first one was just lucky. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness i'm i'm dying because yeah it's, it's one of those things where you watch them you're like i got this because she goes through it so clearly it's a step-by-step mm-hmm. but then you realize like wait you really have to finesse it and practice and really hone in on it so mm-hmm. i i love that you were vulnerable enough to share that you gave it the first go but it still needed some work and some energy and you know like all things you get better with time so don't be afraid mm-hmm. so now that you have shared a lot of your backstory. We've gotten to know about your humor, gotten to know your experience <laughs> in clinical. And a lot of people now are like, okay, she's convinced me. She's a person who's gone from, she's currently in clinical. Now she's showing up in her private practice on social media. I now need to show my face. She's talked about showing her face. That's a key part and being on Instagram. So do you have any advice for people that are scared to show their face? Yeah. So like I said before, it's going to feel uncomfortable for the majority of people when you start. So like majority, you're going to feel weird. Like embrace the, um, the discomfort and the weirdness, just like hold, like get hyped for it. Like this is going to be weird. I'm going to do it. So just like lean into it and then it's going to go away. Like it will definitely go away. Like it's going to go away, but just be ready for the beginning. And just like, be like, this is it. I'm doing it. Just feel it, <laughs> you know? And I know because it's, it's nerve wracking, especially if you're a person that didn't use social media, person that doesn't feel comfortable being in pictures, doesn't feel comfortable in things. And the same thing is also like, remember, you're not an influencer. Like people are coming to you to get your services. They're not following you just to look at you. They're coming yeah. to get your actual services. So like, you don't have to be all done up on your stories or whatever. You don't have to be all like, just be present, say what your offer is and what you can help people with. Cause that's all they care about. They're not trying to like, I mean, I don't even know what you, I guess it, you'd follow an influencer just to look at them. I mean, I guess that's all you do really. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> well, luckily this isn't an influencing program like yeah, yeah. If that was the case and yeah that would be important girl Go yeah. put on that eyeliner but Which, that's not yeah true. i mean there's definitely yeah there's definitely people that i follow and i love to i do look at love to look at their things and like i said that's what i thought i would end up being i was like that doesn't fit me you know i there's people that i love to follow that i like to look at their stuff i love the pictures they post i like i definitely like the workouts they post like there's definitely a lot of cool ones out there but like i don't I didn't see myself as that. So just separating that idea. Cause I think when you're afraid to show yourself, it's because you're afraid you're going to have to be in that category where it's, it's all about how you look and you're, you're worried about people responding about your looks. Yeah. So important that, that distinct, that you made that, that uh, clear distinguish point between being an influencer and being someone who's running their, their business. There are two completely different things. So it's important that you separate those two. And for someone starting out, one or two pieces of advice that you would give someone, maybe even you, what you would have told yourself before the program that you wish you knew that could inspire people. Okay. So before, yeah, before I started out or before you start, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm, I'm just going to say 
like not just do it, but just like lean into it. I mean, really, because like I said, in, just invest in yourself and you're going to make that money back and you're going to have the support. So it's not like you're going to invest in something and you're just like buying like a packet where you got to follow step by step on your own. You're actively being supported all the time. Like all of the coaching calls. I mean, there's coaching calls all the time. Like you're always on a coaching call, which is great because it propels you forward so quickly that it's really not. And you see people making, you know, a lot of money very quickly because of that, because they're able to be propelled. You get like instant feedback on your content because you have the Facebook group to post in. And I think also with content, there's a feeling that that's going to be a lot of work. But as we know, Libby's method is just like recreate what works. So like don't make your life hard. So it ends up being actually really easy. Once you find out the content that works, you just keep repeating it because that's what your client wants to see. That's what they yeah. need to know. So yeah, so just jumping in and not overthinking it. Yeah, I love leaning into it. That, that too can also be on a shirt. But I also love that you mentioned getting support and know that this isn't going to be, oh, you're just thrown into this. There is a lot of support within the program. So I much. definitely agree. There's a lot of calls. Like calls so much so much. And I needed that. Like, and that's how I, what happens is I get very excited about something and I go like all in and then I'm super focused on it. And then I fall off somewhere when I hit a wall of something challenging, like writing that agreement that I was like, I don't want to have to write this like paperwork, like something paperworky. And then I fall off. But by being in the group, I don't fall off. I have to get it done and I'm going to get it done. So it's just been just for my personality type. And I think for a lot of people, it just is a great motivator. For sure. Definitely the calls, the email support, the, the community support of other people building their business is so, so, so important and yeah. helpful and keeping you motivated on track to reach your big money goals. Well, mm -hmm. thank you so much for being on the podcast. Remember you guys can find Emily at weight period gain period nutritionist. Thanks Thank so much so for being much. on. Yay. Thanks, Sia. If you identify as a female dietitian or student, apply to my coaching program. I'm accepting applications now. My clients go from zero to exceeding their sales goals. I save you time, energy, and I show you how to confidently become a dietitian boss. Thousands of your colleagues from around the world are doing it, and so can you. Apply on my website at LibbyRothschild.com and check the show notes if you want that link right away.